0: gum sure don't want no Windows Updates. <laughs> <laughs> and do you want to install Windows Updates? Right now it puts a window down there. Do you want to install Windows Updates? Now let's take our Bibles this morning and turn back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, we are, we had made it down last Sunday uh, through verse 23. Uh, I know that many of you didn't don't know them. But uh, there was a dear brother in Christ that I've known for, oh, as long as I've known Bill, uh, Winston Pannell, uh, passed away this week. Uh, Winston was, uh, he had struggled with Parkinson's for over 20 years, and it finally just uh, got to the point that it finally, uh, it brought his life to a close. And uh, I wrote his daughter, Amy, uh, because she and I and her husband are good friends from meeting them. She plays the piano down there at uh, at Eager Avenue, and uh, I told her, you know, I mean, because he was 86, and, you know, all of us uh, have lost parents at one time or another, and I think one of the things that stands out in my mind more than anything else is that uh, both of my parents, though they were religious, tragically, they died in unbelief, and uh, I trust and, and am fully confident that our Lord did right by my mother and my father and all my dead relatives that have gone before because I can't think of anybody uh, that I know of that knew anything of Christ and his righteousness alone is the only ground, hope, and cause of salvation. And I wrote her and I told her this. I said, one of the good things about it is, you know, because you hear people all the time when a, when somebody dies, they always say, well, they're, they're better off now. You know, they're not suffering anymore. Well, that's true if they've believed the gospel, if Christ is their only hope. And this verse came to my mind, verse 23, that we dealt with last week to the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the Judge of all men, and to the Spirit of just men made perfect. And the thing of it is, Winston Pannell, I know Winston believed the gospel. I heard Winston preach the gospel. I spoke with Winston. Winston's hope was in Christ alone. He might have lost lost a lot of things due to his health, but his confidence was ever and always in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I told Amy, I said, "The one good hope that we have is that now Winston, though he was racked with Parkinson's disease, confined to a wheelchair, and even at the last several months of his life, just in a bed." He's, he's part of this just being made perfect. And he is rejoicing before the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our comfort and our security. Now, I can't I can't dwell on all those that have gone before that are in unbelief, but I tell you, we can rejoice in those that have been made perfect in Christ Jesus as they stand before the throne of God and rejoice and cast down whatever kind of crowns everybody wants to do. We cast our crowns down at the feet of him, and I'll tell you something else he's doing, something that we'll do when he's following the Lamb whithersoever he goes, just like we're supposed to do even in this life. But that's where we left off last week, and I want to deal with just two verses today. We're going to deal with verse 25 and 26. I've entitled this lesson, Refuse Not Him That Speaketh. You know, people in religion, they talk a lot, whole lot about uh, the Lord spoke to me. If the Lord didn't speak from this book, he ain't speaking to you. We don't believe and the scriptures do not teach that we hear voices, that our our confidence and our peace and our security rest in emotional experience. I've said this the whole time that I've been the pastor of Grace Baptist Church. It sounds kind of cold and, and lifeless, but it's the reality of it all. Salvation is not an emotion. It's not a sentiment, and folks, it's not even an experience. I read a lot of these old authors, love a lot of these old authors, but they always talk about this experiential thing. And I know I felt some things through my lifetime. I know you have too. There's been times that I've heard the gospel preached and heard Christ's righteousness declared that just fills my heart with with joy and 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 in peace and comfort and security but listen i don't base my confidence on that feeling that I, i'm not constantly looking for some sort of feeling salvation folks is a fact These things have I written unto you. What these things, what Christ's person, his work, who he is, what he did, what he actually accomplished on the behalf of those whom he represented as their surety and substitute. These things have I written unto you that you might feel that you have eternal life. No, that you might know. I mean, you might have a confident expectation. May know that you have eternal life and that you might continue to believe on the name of, of the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our confidence. That's what we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel to to reach those that are God's elect. I I told somebody this week, you know, our our message and our responsibility is singular in nature. We're here for one purpose as children of God. What's what's the one command you know our Lord gave to every single solitary one of His children in each and every successive generation? What's your responsibility while you're in this world? Preach the gospel. Our responsibility, here it is go ye, me and you, not not just the preacher on Sunday, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's our responsibility. And see, this is the thing. God has purposed to use this particular gospel to call all his elect to true faith and true repentance. And I know and you know that at some point in time out there, I don't know when it is, it might not be in my lifetime. At some point in time, the last one of God's elect, the very last one, and there's, there's going to be one somebody out there that is the last one that this eternal God loved and gave and chose in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, one whose name was written then in the Lamb's book of life, before the foundation of the world, before they had done any, any good, any evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. But at some point, Bart, they're going to hear the gospel, that last one. And when that last one's added to this church, what happens? Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take his bride to be with him forever. And we're done with this place. Uh huh? Now again, I got a boy, two boys. I got a daughter-in-law. I got a wife I love. And I got a little girl back here in the back that has my heart. And I'm not hastening to get out of here. I would love to see her grow up. I would love to see my boys become older men, not old like their daddy, but older men, grow older with their wife and with their families. I'd love to see her graduate high school and graduate college and get married and have a family. I want to see all those things. I want to see your kids grow up, your grandkids grow up, right? But as much as all of that is, all of it is fleeting. You understand that, right? It, 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 everything, everything in this world has an end to it. It has, a, it has an expiration date. That doesn't. You know, when we went through the, the, you know, these all died in faith. That's remember that's that's how Moses forsook and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? He saw the value and worth of Christ. <laughs> he saw him who was invisible. And that's what we see. see we, we we confidently see a kingdom that cannot be moved. I mean, I look around, and this, this, this thing is coming apart at the seams. If you don't think it is, you have lost your mind. All you got to do, that's why I quit watching the news. <laughs> I have taken the ostrich approach to life. Now, I just stuck my head in the sand, and I'm going to go on through. But I, I, I told people, they say, well, you know, all the problems, all the difficulties. My end is to see God bring his children, his elect, to true faith and true repentance in hope that one day if I live long enough and he returns, he fills up this glorious body with its fullness, we leave this place together and get out of here. Right? And as we've stated in every one of these lessons that we've gone through, you know, the main goal of this epistle is that the hearts of the believers be established with grace. I don't want you to go out of here after I've taught you on Sunday morning in the Sunday Bible class or in the Sunday worship area. I don't I, I don't want you to go out of here thinking, well, I hope or I wish that I have eternal life. Huh? I want our hearts established with grace, don't you? If you believe this gospel, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you get die in a car accident on the way home to be absent from the body is to be what? To be present with our Lord Jesus Christ. And see the the way our hearts are established with grace, is to see what? More and more and more of the certainty of our salvation, the certainty of our final glory based on Christ and his righteousness alone. That's why we emphasize this repeatedly. I never get tired of talking about Christ's person and his word. And I hope you never grow weary of hearing about Christ's person and his word. Maybe you're one of those that you need somebody to tell you how you need to dress or how you need to walk or how you need to talk or how you need to act every single solitary moment of your day. Look, We've all got problems with all those areas. There's not one of us here that can honestly say with, with all our heart that we have loved God like we should and that we've loved our neighbors ourselves. That being the case, if I hadn't done that, how can I be confident? How can my heart be established with grace? One way. One way. Knowing of your oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. That God sees you where? In his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, the more we're convinced that all of our salvation's condition conditioned on Him, according to the will of our covenant God and Father, listen, the more we'll value Him, and the more we'll value His gospel. Think about this. We love Him. Not because He gave me a, a, a good, long, so far healthy life, 65 years of age. Not because he's given me a great marriage for 43 years. That's right. It's 43. I got that right. Not because I've had two healthy sons that have grown up I'm proud of. Not because I've got a, a granddaughter. Not because I've got money in the bank. and I, not, None of those things. We love him because what? He first loved us. And we do love him. Tragically, though, what, what, what do we think of our love of him? But, see, that's the way it's to be. We're to value his love to us. And the design of this chapter is to comfort and assure believers that in spite of our sins, in spite of our afflictions, in spite of our, the persecution that arises over the word, one day, you know what, we're going to reign with Christ. Matter of fact, when we think about it, according to what the scriptures tell us, what are we right now? Do you feel very kingly? (laughs) Do you feel priestly? But he tells us he, through Christ Jesus, has made every single solitary child of God. What are we? We're kings and priests. All things are yours. All of it. Paul tells us this in verse 28. We won't get there today. He says, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. See, we we serve. We serve not to get into the kingdom. We serve because what have we already received? We have the kingdom. So the issue here is that, that you and I who've been privileged to hear the gospel, uh, we who know it and give mental agreement to, to it, we ought to be careful to listen and act on what we hear. Turn back over to Hebrews. Hold your place there in Hebrews 12. Turn back over to Hebrews chapter 2. What, what, what we're going to see in these verses that we're going to look at this morning here in verse 25 and 26, kind of like this warning he gives back over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Because here's the problem, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a recompense and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? And that word neglect means to just drift on by. So great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now think about this in light of this great revelation, and that's what that's what salvation is. You did not figure this out. Isn't it amazing? You spend all your life. I, I have so many people that that get in touch with me on a regular basis across the country, and every one of us, we all have the same testimony. It's almost it's 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 almost uniquely similar. All of. And the the thing that they all think is the same thing I thought when it happened to me. Spent all my life studying and learning, thinking I knew something. And then all of a sudden, he, he reveals himself to me and in me. And everything that I thought I knew, I didn't know anything about it. You know, my mama was convinced that I was saved when I was seven years old. And she told me all them other decisions that I made through the time that I was just basically like that movie. Remember that movie that old Keanu Reeves made and that dazed and confused. <laughs> That's what I was. She said, You just you're just mixed up in your head. No, I'm not mixed up in my head, because here's the difference. All of that that I was in before, nobody ever told me about a righteousness that I needed. Nobody ever insisted that are are or, or pushed to the forefront when they spoke to me and told me, except I am absolutely, positively holy, bearing a righteousness in which God himself cannot find a flaw, I'm going to hell. And thankfully somebody stood up and told me the truth. Told me, listen, there's only one righteousness in which he's well pleased. Just one. Not one that I'm trying to help him create. One he did by his very obedience unto death is my substitute and surety. And see, in light of that great revelation of God through Christ, now that that revelation is full and complete, and it is, he tells us we ought to give the more abundant heed to it. In other words, we ought to give attention to it. We ought to give consideration to it. For the child of God, the the, the word of God, the worship of God the brotherhood of the saints, that should be their top priority, period. Nothing else should come between us and it, none of it. And all of our faculties, he's telling us here that our minds, our wills, our affection should be engaged here because God's given them to us for that. He's given us a new mind, a new heart. He's written his his law, not not... Not the Ten Commandments. He's written His law in our heart. What? The law. Here's the law. What? Believe on Him whom God has sent. In light of this revelation, in light of this certainty of salvation based on Christ's righteousness alone, in light of the certainty of final judgment to every person who rejects or who neglects the gospel, we should give the more earnest heed lest at any time. It should slip. Now notice what he says in verse 25. Here's here's the, the first point I want to make to you this morning. There's no escape apart from Christ. Look at what he said. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now you know you read this, and I read through it several times. I kept kept looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, talking about it. If 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 the ones they refused the one that spoke on earth, and they didn't escape, how much more if we refuse the one that speaks from heaven? seemed to be two two different speakers, right? But you think about this. He's not he's not talking about two different speakers, one on earth and one in, in heaven. He's talking about the same speaker, but the same speaker in different circumstances. You think about this. Who spoke the law to Moses? God absolutely considered his spirit, right? When Moses was given the law, who gave it to him? came from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke. It was his law. Listen to this. The speaker in both cases, who is it? It's the Son of God. How did he start this book? Remember how he started Hebrews? God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto our fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us how by his son how, how, how do we know it was him speaking listen to this descriptive whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds <laughs> in the beginning was the the word word was with God and the word was God On earth, what's he talking about? He spoke on earth. What? That's referring to the old Mosaic economy. It's talking about the law and everything that was involved in it. When he says that one spoke from heaven, what's he talking about? He's talking about the gospel economy. Because remember, we're talking about through this whole book of Hebrews, he's making a comparison and a contrast between that which was old, the Mosaic economy, and everything involved in it, the law, the ceremonies, the sacrifices, the priesthood, the tabernacle, and at that particular time now the temple. What's happened to it? All of it was just a type or a shadow or a picture that pointed to who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And the New Testament is what? It's the New Testament state. The one that speaks from heaven is talking about the gospel economy. It's talking about the New Testament church. And he tells us, see, or in other words, take heed, that you refuse not him that speaketh. Once again, we're reminded that God forbids us to refuse the gospel. We we are morally bound to obey God. You know, when we think about it, I, I read an article this week, and it's true. The, the The gospel isn't a request or an offer. What is it? It's a command. But listen, you can only command those that are yours. And it's a command to God's children to do what? To believe the gospel. To take God at His Word. And we're forbidden, you think about this, we're forbidden to believe Satan's lie. And the way that the Lord speaks to us, it's always the same way. What? It's through his gospel. And he speaks of what? Of Satan. Our Lord, I, th- I think about Matt John chapter 12, I think it's verse 42, when he said this, And I, if I be lifted up, would draw all to me. Who does the drawing? The one who paid the price, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says if we exalt him, if we magnify him, if we honor him, If we glorify Him in His person and His work, the Lord God, by His Holy Spirit, what does He do? He draws His people to Himself. My stars, our Lord even told His apostles that when the Holy Spirit comes, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to point you where? Not to Himself, not to the gifts. Pentecost was not about the rushing wind and the sound that occurred and the miracle. It was about pointing men to where? Where? Peter didn't stand up and talk about the Holy Spirit. What does Peter talk about? This Christ whom God delivered up according to his determinate will and counsel, you've taken and crucified the Lord of glory. You did it. You killed God's Christ, but in killing God's Christ, what actually was accomplished? Redemption for all God's children. All of them. And he says this, how shall we escape? we refuse salvation condition on Christ alone. Because I tell you what, there's no other way of escape. God the Father said this. He said it on multiple times, but this this one in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, he said this, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to this. Hear ye him. Not hear Richard or Bill. Or Henry, hear what? Hear him, the one that speaks from heaven. Say, And see, God has recorded all these facts of these Jews that rebelled against him under that old covenant, how that they couldn't escape divine wrath and judgment. They couldn't escape vengeance. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul said the same exact thing to those at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 5. Well, let's back up. Let's start in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant; should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and they did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink For that drink. They drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. So all Israel, both those that were the elect Jews and the non-elect Jews, all of them got the water that came out of the rock. <laughs> you do realize that, right? When the, quail, when the manna came down, God did. Korah ate the same man everybody else ate. What was Corazine? Because notice here, because he goes on, but with many of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, what? when was that destroyed of the destroyer? You, you know what that's talking about? The brazen serpent. The fiery serpents, and they tempted. They, you think about it. They, why, neither let us tempt. Christ. They tempted him. What did they say? We loathe this like bread. We want meat. They had. If you think, they had everything they needed in those loaves. They wanted more. And so, what God do? God gave them what they wanted. Be careful now because they think about it. always think about it. Sometimes God will give us the desires of our heart. And what does He seeing? He sends leanness into our soul. They got so much meat, so much bird fell to the earth, quail fell to the earth, that <laughs> they began to mourn over that. And so God gave them something else. What did He do? He sent fiery serpents among them to bite them. And they began to die. He says they tempted, tempted Christ, and were destroyed to the destroyer. See those people today who refuse His gospel by unbelief, or who neglect it and did due to indifference, or who will compromise it in the name of love, or who pervert it through covetousness and self righteousness. He tells us here, you know what? They're not going to escape. They will not escape. It'll be impossible for any sinner to escape divine wrath if they're judged according to the law based on their obedience or their character and their conduct. Listen to this verse. What is the standard? Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge this world. How's he gonna judge this world? In righteousness. Which righteousness? The Ten Commandments? No. He tells us, he's going to judge this world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Our Lord Jesus Christ alone, what did he do? He magnified the law and made it honorable. And he says, that's the one that's going to judge. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's leg? God to justify. Who is he that condemneth? Who's the only one that It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who's even at the right hand of God. Who also maketh intercession for us. The same one that came and lived and died and rose again to redeem us from our sins. He's the only one that can condemn us. And Kenny, he bore all our sins in his body on the tree. Therefore, we're free. Totally free. And I'll tell you what, if we refuse to be judged based on Christ's righteousness freely revealed in the gospel, we can't escape God's righteousness in his just right. He that believeth and is baptized, saved. he that believeth not, Big damn. Look at verse 26 in our text, and we'll quit. He says, Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but what else does he shake? He shakes the heavens. You think about it. Christ's voice shook the whole earth when he established that Mosaic law. Huh? How do we know that? Remember what we read? It was such a terrible sight that the the Israelite people, what did they say? Now, listen, here's the thing. This kind of gives you definitions of the world. What world was shook, huh, when the giving of that law, that mosaic economy? Do you think it affected? Listen, that happened over over in that little plot of land they're still fighting about over there now in, in Israel. In the Middle East. Now, what about the American Indians over here? You think that when the law was being established, it was causing them to quake in fear over here? Are people up in Asia minor or Asia itself? No. What world got shook? Israel's world got shook. And all those involved in that world. And they said don't let you speak to him don't let him speak any more to us lest what happens to us we all die and like we saw a couple of weeks ago when we were were looking at those verses it it said that, that according to Moses it filled him he said I exceedingly fear and quake you don't think he was shaking in his boots standing before the true and living God Our Lord spoke, gave the law, and it shook everything. And he promised by the prophets, what's he going to do? He's going to shake not only the earth, but what else is he going to do? He's going to shake heaven too. And he shook it, how in the establishment of the gospel economy. How do we know he shook it? The day that our Lord Jesus Christ died, what happened? In the middle of the day, because of this person's death, it went black. But not only that, what else happened? The earth shook. Because of this death, the earth shook, and what happened? Graves were opened. And not only were graves opened, but those that were dead in the graves, what they do? They got up and went into the city. Well, how would you like to have been there and saw that sight? People watch, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I, Pam can tell you, I don't like horror movies. I just don't, I never liked them. <laughs> Even when I was an unbeliever, I didn't like them. But imagine that, somebody had been dead for a long time, come walking into town. You don't think that'd fill you with fear? Tell you what, didn't fill them with fear. What'd they do after that? they still trying to cover it up. Aren't they? And see, here's the thing. He says that when he shook this earth and established this economy, he established this gospel economy for how long? Forever. Forever. Because he says, it can't, this, we've received a king. Verse 28 says, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. The law shook Israel. The gospel economy shook this world. But, folk, this kingdom can't be moved. It can't be shaken. And this gospel economy, folk, turn to Galatians 3, and we'll close right here. The gospel economy is going to continue until our Lord Jesus Christ returns and consummates all things. So we see here the ultimate end of all things is what? The Lord Jesus Christ has the preeminence in everything to the praise, glory, and honor of his Father. And that whole purpose of the old covenant was to expose their sins and to drive them where? To the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Look here at Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to do what? To bring us to Christ. We might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And listen to this, heirs according to his promise. And we'll come back next week and we'll pick up in verse 28. You're dismissed to the worship. I appreciate your presence.